First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 678 of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy, as always, to be here with you guys, and I have been afforded the opportunity to speak with so many amazing dads over the last almost five years now. Uh, It's been incredible, but it is guys like today's guest that truly makes me just humbled that I get the opportunity to speak to heroes like this. Nick Lavery joins me on the podcast today. Nick is an active duty member of the United States Army Special Forces, commonly known as Green Berets. The Special Forces perform critical missions including direct action, counterinsurgency, foreign international defense, special reconnaissance, and unconventional warfare. Nick has done it all, but that is just a part of the story. In 2013, on Nick's second combat deployment to Afghanistan, he and his detachment fell victim to an insider attack, ultimately resulting in the loss of Nick's leg. Following a year of surgeries and initial recovery, including the use of prosthetics at Walter Reed National Medical Military Center, he returned to his unit, refusing a military medical retirement. Nick set his sights on returning to operational status, and in 2015, he did just that. At the conclusion of a challenging comprehensive assessment designed to evaluate Nick's abilities to operate, he returned to his detachment and was subsequently deployed once again to Afghanistan, conducting the full spectrum of combat operations. Nick is considered the first Green Beret to return to combat as an above-the-knee amputee. I mean, it doesn't get more heroic than that. It's unbelievable. Nick is also the first amputee to complete Special Forces Warrant Officer Technical and Tactical Certification course, as well as the SOCP Instructor course and the Combat Diver Qualification course in military history. Nick's awards include the Silver Star, three Purple Hearts, two Bronze Stars, one Bronze Star with V for Valor, and a number of others. If you are not familiar with Nick, I highly encourage you to go to his website, machinenick.com, M-A-C-H-I-N-E, N-I-C-K.com, machinenick.com. Find out more about him. He's got a book out, Objective Secure. You can get a personalized signed copy from Nick on the website. Again, go to machinenick.com. Nick truly represents the best of America. It's an absolute honor to have him on the podcast today. Nick Lavery will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Nick Lavery was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. If you'd like to watch today's conversation between the American hero and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, if you guys do enjoy today's interview with Nick Lavery, I have had the honor of interviewing quite a few other Green Berets right here on the podcast. A lot of special forces from our military. Uh, those are my favorite interviews to do. So go through the archives. You'll find my interviews, such as the one I did with Green Beret Medal of Honor recipient Matt Williams. Uh, also, well-known UFC fighter and Green Beret Tim Kennedy has been on the podcast a couple of times. Uh, other Green Berets as well. Go through the podcast. You know I've had all the Navy SEALs on the podcast, Marines, uh, Army Rangers, the whole bit. So So go through the catalog. You'll find so many of our nation's greatest warriors right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right. And as I said at the top there, I owe all of the success of this podcast to you, the listener. I really want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I would love to hear your feedback. I'd love some ideas, what you would like to see on the show, guests that you would like to hear on the show. Uh, Let me know what you think. Tell me the job I'm doing. Tell me where you'd like to see the podcast go. Hit me with an email, aleclace at firstclassfatherhood.com. The email is in the description of the podcast episode. I would really love to hear from you guys. 
You've been such loyal listeners. So many of you from the very beginning uh, when I recorded my very first podcast at the foot of my bed. So drop me a line, aleclace at firstclassfatherhood.com. Let me know your thoughts, your opinions, who you'd like to see, anything else you'd like to say. Love to hear from you guys. And make sure you're following me on Instagram at alec underscore lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. And the MyPillow deal is running out 80% off. That's right. You can get up to 80% off at MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD at MyPillow.com. Use it at the checkout. You'll save up to 80%. That deal is going to be ending real soon. So make sure you get over there. MyPillow.com. Promo code FATHERHOOD. Save up to 80% off. All right. If you have the opportunity, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up with Green Beret, Nick Lavery on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Nick Lavery. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Well, it's an honor to have you here. Let's start like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? My wife and I have been blessed with two thus far. Uh, Both boys. The oldest is five. Youngest is 22 months. He'll be two in March. Wow. Very cool. You say so far. So you guys going to be trying for that girl? You know what, man? Uh, we're you know we're getting a little later in life, right? I'm 40, my wife's 41, but if we could squeak out another one, I think we would both be extremely happy if that were to be the case. So we're gonna make a little a last ditch run at it here over the next six or so months. See what happens. All right, yeah, I love that. Yeah, we get we have three boys, and then we got our girl on the fourth try. So um, congratulations, brother. Best of luck to you there. If you could, Nick, please just take a second to hit, if you could to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, man. For those that haven't already figured this out, originally from Boston, Mass. Spoiler alert, I know. Uh, grew up, born and raised, oh, really all around Mass. Most of my time was, was in, in and around the city. Uh, entered the military in 2007, uh, you know, on, on the back end of, of 9-11, which was really my one reason for wanting to come in. I was a sophomore in college at the time, really struggled to to stay in school at that point because I knew where things were going and I wanted to be a part of that purely out of anger. Stayed in school, grinded out my degree, looked at options to come in, decided to come in the Army as a special forces recruit, which gives guys off the street the opportunity to bypass the conventional Army and go straight into the special forces, which is what I did. And I've been doing that now as a Green Beret for the last uh, 15 going on 16 years. And, you know, I'll just say it's, it's one a position and a lifestyle in which I consider to be the greatest honor a person can take on one that I love, one that I have a deep sense of purpose with, and one that I'll continue to do for as long as I'm an asset to the guys to my left and right. Man, incredible stuff, Nick. And thank you for your service, uh, of course. So um, along this journey then here, the, how old were you when you became a dad? I think you said your oldest was six there. T- take me back to that. How did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Um, uh, man, uh, unbelievable. And, you know, prior to being a father, you got these priorities in life and they're racking stacked. And those move around a little bit day to day, week to week, year to year. For me, Prior to being a father, it was be the best Green Beret I possibly can, then a mile of kind of blank space, and then the rest of the things that may be important to me at the time. And while that's still a priority for me, 
that moment in time when I'm holding my son for the first time, my oldest for the first time, and I have a great photo of that moment. In that one instant, my entire priorities just completely scrambled around. All the things that seemed to be the most important things in the world to me, all of a sudden didn't matter to me at all in that one moment. And I, I realized it's the awesome responsibility that comes with being a dad and how reframing priorities can actually enable progress along other aspects of life when that becomes your, your most important thing in your world. Yeah. And, and that's part of the, the whole thing here too, Nick, is that you guys sacrifice not only, you know, just before having kids, but then I would imagine there's got to be some kind of shift because it's got to be one thing to be, especially in the special forces, a green beret uh, going over into combat while you're the single guy uh, without that kind of attachment responsibility at home as to now being a father and having that, what kind of changes for you as far as that deployment mindset? Once, like, what's different about you now deploying as a dad as opposed to when you were just, uh, say, a lone, lone wolf? Yeah, I, I will say, and I will give my kids the credit to this, uh, this maturity. Uh, although I do believe it does come naturally, kind of with age and with wisdom. But for me. My, my son and now having two were the driving factor behind this. I will say that I am just that much more calculating. I'm a, I'm a little bit more deliberate when it comes to risk management and risk calculus and kind of weighing out pros, cons, benefits, hazards, control measures before making even smaller decisions. Whereas prior, right, single, no kids, Nick Lavery, Green Beret, running around the battlefield with my hair on fire. I didn't have that entity or entities at home waiting for me to come back to be an enormous aspect of their lives. I didn't have that. I don't want to go as far as to say I was, I was reckless prior and now I'm not. Because again, growing in maturity and living this lifestyle for a while, you learn a lot. And some of these things come naturally. But I will just say that in, in brief moments in time, the visions of my kids at home are within my decision-making process, even in chaotic environments. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. I know you had a, um, I'm curious to get your take on this because I know in your book, uh, Objective Secure, uh, you kind of focus on how helping people, and I know you do it through speaking and other things through your platform about motivating people to reach these so-called unattainable goals. And I know, obviously, you reached the top of, of the chain here in, in the military and you've been able to do. And obviously, you've had this injury uh, that could have been seen as a big, mild setback for so many. But yet you push through it and continue to serve uh, even with it. So I have my, my oldest, as I said, I have four. My oldest is 16. And right now for parents in this country, uh, sending your kids to college is becoming a more and more of a huge concern just because not only, number one, the prices are astronomical. But number two, they're coming out kind of like with these philosophies of hating America. And they're, and they're not really they're studying these things like um, whatever kind of uh, degrees they're coming out with uh, that aren't helping them develop skills to pay back these loans that they're taking. So sometimes long story short here, the problem is in developing a goal. If they don't have that driven goal, like to go serve in the military, or the driven goal to go play a sport. Sometimes they have a, a, a problem, which is my oldest is having now, is trying to find a goal to attain. What do you want to be? Where do you, how do you want to pursue? What kind of advice do you have for those young kids in high school that are getting ready to go to the next level that are a little, 
confused about what kind of goals to set for themselves and what to go for? How, how do they kind of sort through that? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll touch on two things briefly. One is the impact of the community in which you choose to surround yourselves with. And I know how challenging this is, particularly for young people. I can put myself back in the mindset of me at 16 years old. And, you know, peer pressure is a term that, you know, was thrown around a lot back then. It's a thing now. We're so easily influenced by those that we are surrounding ourselves with. The sooner that we can respect and appreciate and be more deliberate about who we surround ourselves with, the better we're going to be and much faster. We're incredibly influential. And those that we surround ourselves with pose an influence on us. So I'll just say that my ideal community tripod consists of mentors, allies, and protégés. And if you model those you spend the most time with around those three areas, you are going to set yourself up for success. Now, this is going to come with some significant challenges. You are going to have to go against the grain you're going to have to have a firm grasp of your own integrity and know what is right and be willing to be labeled an outcast or a buzzkill or boring, or you have to be willing to take that on, which is much easier to do as a 40-year-old than it is as a 16-year-old. But the faster you can get there, the more better off you're going to be. And then second, the sooner that we can begin having an internal dialogue with ourselves. This is in terms of goal achievement and identifying what that may be. Who do I want to become? What do I want to do? This takes time, uh, period. This takes time for anybody. But the faster we can begin having that internal conversation, when you look yourself in the mirror and with 1000% honesty, which is also really difficult to do these days with social media and the hashtag filtered world that we live in, where we ex expose ourselves through the perfect lens on the 17th photo attempt with all the ha all the stuff. That's just the nature of the world we live in. You better have this conversation, look yourself in the mirror with 100% honesty and self-awareness. What do you want to do? Who do you want to become? And open up that dialogue to then eventually get the answer to come seeping in. And in my experience and those I've had a chance to talk with, Usually that answer doesn't come blasting through the mirror and punch you in the teeth, right? A lot of times it shows up in the form of a whisper. But if you're not asking the question and then listening for that response, odds are you're not going to find it. For the young people, that answer is almost certainly not going to be apparent very quickly. But my point here, man, is the faster we can begin soul searching and trying to identify what our passions and purposes here in this gift of life that we have, the faster we'll be able to identify what it is and then be able to put together a strategy and a plan and tactics to begin moving towards it. Yeah, I, I love that, Nick. And I appreciate it because I, I am in that situation now. And that's part of the whole, my whole fatherhood parenting journey as well as I've, I've never had my, my oldest will be 17 and, and the other thing that's crazy is like, he's not in any hurry to get his license. Like it's the same thing in his friend group. Like they're not the way it was like growing up. Like we would count down the days to get like our driver's license. And these kids now, they, they just seem like they could take it or leave it. Like, so it's just a different philosophy uh, that they have a different mindset. And I'm just trying to figure out the best way to, uh, you know, to breach that. And one thing that you say there too, about surrounding yourselves, one of the thing, one of the things I talk about a lot on this show is the fatherless crisis with so many kids that are growing up 
without a father or father figure in their home. And that's having a, a, a devastating effect on our society at large. In my opinion, it's the number one social issue we got going on in our country. And I kind of wanted to ask you, because I've had other military guys on that, that, that grew up in a home with no father, but kind of found that father figure in the military through their service. And they were able to kind of turn their lives around because of that and become good fathers uh, and break that kind of chain. Did you have you noticed that? I wanted to get your take at your time in the military. Did you notice guys coming in from those situations, came from fatherless home, broken home, and then were able to find that kind of leadership through the military? Absolutely, man. I mean, in the, in the same, the, the, the statistics are what they are. Is that, that, that translates to all sectors, and particularly the military. And I would argue, without doing any research, that there may be even a greater population of that demographic that are seeking that, right? They're seeking those male role models to learn from because they don't have it in their home. Therefore, they're drawn to the military to be around by these strong courageous, influential men that they can learn from. So we absolutely get quite a bit, and that trend seems to be growing. I see that as an opportunity, right? I mean, I grew up, my father's still my best friend in the world. Um, I didn't come from that as a, a, a my, my personal experience upbringing, but I can empathize with what that's like. So knowing that that is happening at scale and arguably growing, Seeing that a lot of these kids, these young men are looking into the military as a way to gain what they're yearning for. As someone who's now in a leadership position and has been for a while in the military, has a lot of life experience both in and out, I just take on that as an additional responsibility and an awesome opportunity uh, to not turn myself into some kid's father, but to be that role model and to be able to take the lessons I've learned in the uniform and out and influence these individuals and to fill that gap that they feel like they have. Yeah, and, and that's what's important too, is not only sometimes not in the military, but sometimes guys find it through a coach or, or they find it through a teacher. Yeah. And, and that's what it is. It's when they're finding it in the street because they're always seeking it. But when they're finding it in the street or these other places, that's that's what's crippling our country. Like we're filling up the prisons with these kids that had no father, no direction in their life. And especially the young boys, it affects this way. Our young girls for different reasons. Uh, but a, a lot of the violence that we're seeing in so much of the uh, so many of the issues, especially with young men, it, I, I believe it's really because they don't have that leadership role uh, as that positive male role model of a dad in their life. And that's why I'm glad that you and so many in your community, the Special Forces community, have had a lot of the Navy SEALs on the podcast here, uh, other Green Berets and, and, and other guys, Marines, that you guys have platforms now because you guys are the real heroes. You guys are giving, uh, you know, these young men some, someone somewhere to find that leadership, even if it's not in their own personal life. They have somewhere to look to to see guys who have been through real stuff in life and they're telling it as it is with all their imperfections, with all their flaws. And they're not claiming to be uh, like we see these movie stars or athletes or the kind of like these you were talking about or, or the lives that we're seeing on Instagram and Facebook that are all just really, for lack of a better word, just bullshit. And, and it's, you know, there, there's no substance there. But to, to get an opportunity for these kids to see uh, you guys and listen to your advice, I think it's so beneficial to, you know, to, to our whole country. I'll, I'll tell you, man, a phenomenal point. Uh, two things. You know, I, meant to, I, I mentioned that community tripod, right? The allies, mentors, and protégés. And in today's world, with all what social media can bring and all the nastiness, it's an amazing tool that can also be wielded for good. And, and back in the day when I was a kid, same with you, man, your mentors were essentially limited to who you were around geographically. That's who you had to choose from. Coaches, teachers, family, but that was it. Today's world, you got 13-year-old kids that are all over social media. 
So now, because of that tool, you are no longer geographically confined by who your mentors are. I have mentors that I've never met a day in my life, right? Jocko Willink is one of them. I'm looking at him right now behind you. He was a mentor for mine for years before I ever met him in person. Now he and I are friends, but you can choose who you consume and who you allow in to influence you through that mechanism. And then as well, you touched on, you know, us and special operations. And now you're seeing guys that are putting themselves out there and, and being more public. That for me, I can say, man, was a, was an enormous challenge that will remain a challenge for me indefinitely. We live this quiet professional mentality and we're about what we do and how we perform and we don't want to talk about it. We want to be about it. And for a lot of us, we struggle with putting ourselves out there and whether it's writing a book or doing an interview or sitting on a podcast or starting an Instagram platform, like whatever it is that historically is really tough for most of us. And it, in a lot of ways, it goes against what we believe we're supposed to be doing as members of the soft community. I can tell you with 1000% certainty that this exact topic, having taken that risk and putting myself out there, knowing my integrity and my values and where they lie enables me to do that. But the feedback I get, particularly from the young people, particularly from that 13 year old kid, that 15 year old kid that sends me a message like, hey man, saw your stuff, thank you. I'm struggling with X, Y, Z, you got any advice? I get those messages daily. And that is a daily reminder that what I'm doing is providing value. And we as a whole are giving options to these young people that are striving for mentors and for people to learn from. Yeah. And, and props to you for doing it. I know so many in the community take a take a big blowback from putting themselves out there and sharing this kind of information. But me, just as a just as a civilian, uh, I can't tell you how beneficial it is to be able to get a chance to listen into these kind of conversations. I mean, it's such a blessing, I think, to our entire society that we have it. Uh, although I know sometimes, like you said, it, it goes against the kind of grain of that quiet professional. But um, I, I think sharing it is so much more important than keeping it uh, to yourselves. And, and one of the reasons why, too, is I think, uh, unfortunately, I know youth suicide has gone up every year consistently since 2007. I know that suicide with military veterans is, is, is off the charts and it's a big epidemic. And I'm not too, too sure, too, because I recently had a, a, a Travis Mills on the podcast here. And he's a guy that lost both arms, both legs. I mean, this, this guy's been through it all and he still has that mindset that's just incredible. And he continues to inspire people, as you do with your platform. What, what, what is the difference, Nick? Why, why are the military veterans still having this trouble with the suicide rate? And what, what it makes the difference between a guy like you, a guy like Travis Mills, who have, who have lost so much but continue to push forward and go through, and those other guys who kind of give in to the ultimate, uh, you, you know, the ultimate of just giving up? Oh, that's a that's a great question. It's really tough to answer. I, I can tell you right now, I don't have the answer. I can just tell you that, you know, Travis and I were both at Walter Reed together. He was actually the first uh, non-medical personnel that I register outside of my family meeting in my hospital bed. He walked in literally right on prosthetic legs. I couldn't process what's happening. And I, I see this robot in front of me. And the first time I was able to actually get into the rehab facility at Walter Reed, once I progressed a little farther, I walk in and I'm witnessing Travis dragging a sled around this indoor track. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, man, I may have lost one of my legs, but this dude's operating like this with none. So I won't speak for him, but I know he's in the same you know area, same ballpark. You know, for me, man, it was 
I just had a very clear and refined grasp and vision of what my future had to be. And that was what I was able to grasp onto continuously during all of the setbacks and failure and fear and pain and doubting myself, which was constant daily. When I had those moments in time, I could grab onto the vision of my future, which is why the way we kind of kicked this off, man, having that clearly defined and continuously refined mission, I believe to be so important, knowing who you want to be, who you're supposed to be, why you're on this earth, and being in love with that process and that game. I think that's essential. And again, for young people, it's going to take some time. But the sooner we can begin going down that road, the sooner you can grasp onto it. That was certainly what kept me out of going down the gutter. And I'll, I'll close here with this, Alec, is you know talking to some of the, the, the medical professionals and the behavioral health docs, which is just part of the Walter Reed kind of all-encompassing wellness approach. You meet with these guys and gals and they help you. One of them told me something I found fascinating. They said, for, the, for military individuals, particularly for special ops, but really across the military, you guys, you service members, are so used to taking on all this responsibility and just keep going forward, one foot in front of the other, no matter what, just drive on, drive on, drive on. You will find a way to get to a solution. Well, when you when your your life is just just completely flipped upside down, you're dealing with the most traumatic event ever. You lost a limb. You're suffering from a traumatic brain injury. You've lost multiple limbs. Whatever the situation is, it for some of the time those people are able to leverage that killer instinct, that hyper type A mentality, and drive past it. Like Travis Mills, myself would be in that same camp. But for many, they're so used to being winners, and they're so used to being the one that's called upon when there's a problem that when they become that, that vulnerable and that dependent, it can just create this massive shockwave where they lost their identity. They don't know who they are anywhere, anymore, and it can spiral into a really bad spot. So I just say that with the, the identification of the mission, regardless of your circumstances, but knowing what that is, then it's just a matter of determining how to get that. And there is a way. So for those of us in the service it, that, that has made you as successful as you are, you can leverage all those same character traits, physical capabilities, ways of thinking, mentalities, as long as we have the vision of where we need to go. Yeah, well said, Nick. And, and I think also, too, it goes back to saying, like, just by being on the platforms that you guys have, I don't think we'll ever know the number of people that you actually help that do listen in on these conversations uh, th that you may be pulling through a difficult time in their life. So another reason why it's, it's such a huge benefit. Let me pull it back into you as a dad here for a minute. What would you say, Nick, are the, uh, are the top values that you're hoping to instill in your boys growing up? Oh, man. Um, authenticity uh, comes to mind really fast. Uh, be, be real. And, you know, we talked about, the social media and the, and the, and the filtered world we live in uh, be authentic with who you are, own who you are, strive to get 1% better every day, but you are who you are and be proud of that. Uh, know your deficiencies and work towards making them better. But this facade environment that we continue to navigate into that seems to be growing is paper mache thin and people can see right through it. And it's bullshit. So you're doing yourself a disservice. Uh, beyond that, man, uh, 
it's a cliche expression, but you know, anything is possible if you put your mind to it and it all begins and ends up here. It begins in your mind. And I've been asked this question many times where it's, Hey man, if you've been through so much, you've sacrificed so much, you've been shot and blown up and you lost your leg and you just keep going. Like, do you not feel an obligation to maybe scale that back for, if, for if anything, for the sake of your boys, which is, which is a fair question. My response to that, at least my, my first thought to that is, I need to be able to sit down in front of my kids. And I do this now, but the oldest is five. And say, when I tell you anything is possible, bro, I actually live that, okay? And you know that I live that. I, I want to be an example and demonstrate that what I'm saying to these boys is real and that dad actually lived it. So if authenticity, the only limitations are the one we place in our own minds. And then lastly, the importance of integrity, the importance of integrity. And this, this goes externally and internally. Externally, right, one of the definitions we have in the military is doing the right thing regardless of who's watching. And that's typically framed in the terms of morals, ethics, and legal. Doing the right thing regardless of who's watching. I would take that another level and be able to apply that internally, meaning that it's in the moments of isolation and solitude when no one is around, no one is giving a shit. You could easily go 50%. You could easily quit. But when you dig in and do the work that you know needs to happen, regardless of who is watching, regardless of who is there, Forget about when your coach is there, your parents, your friend, your hater, the girl that you're trying to impress. Forget all that. The moment in time when it's just you and your character and you do the right thing anyway, that is what leads to massive growth. And if you do that at scale, you are literally turning yourself into an unstoppable weapon. Yeah, great stuff, Nick. And I think so much of that, too, like you say, up in your mind and you say the facade of the social media so many people are so concerned with what people think about themselves that they'll Photoshop the picture and they do all this stuff. Uh, and, and I think, too, it, it, there's and like I mentioned, the, the fatherless crisis. There's really an attack on uh, on masculinity in this country and it's keeping men down. And, and it seems like it used to just be able to, you know, have the goal of wanting to take care of a woman, provide for your uh, children, protect your family. And that kind of mindset is kind of looked down upon today, especially too. we look to these heroes that are really just guys with a wet paper ass and, and they don't have any kind of substance to them. So uh, I, I just think that that's such a such a major part of the downfall of where we're going. And that's why, you know, again, we need we need to have more heroes or in a sense to look up to uh, for our young boys or our young men in this country to kind of say, like, hey, it's OK uh, to work through some of these things, despite the fact that you fail. And I think that so many people are afraid to fail uh, because they're being constantly watched or they feel like they're being constantly watched. And it's really those failures that are going to enable them to get farther in life. At least in my case, that's been the that's been the story for me is that my failures in life have produced the best results moving forward uh, than anything else has happened. And, and as a dad, being able to watch our kids kind of struggle and fail uh, is difficult to do, but also necessary at the same time, I would say. hundred percent, man. I can't, I can't say it any better. The, the wisdom is located in the failure. And when we train and the military can be looked as kind of an extreme example, but it applies across all walks of life. When we train, we seek to fail as often and as productively as possible so that when it comes time to play the game for real, we get it close to right. That is your opportunity to get it wrong 
because that's where the knowledge is located. The challenge is our fear of, our fear of failure for the most part comes from a sense of our pride and our ego. I'm not worried about breaking my leg. I'm worried about how I'm going to be perceived externally if I mess this up. It's a huge challenge, regardless of how old you are. For young people, this is exceptionally difficult because we're in that stage of life where we want to be accepted socially. We want to impress the girl or the guy. We want to hang out with the cool kids. We want to sit at the cool kid lunch table. I get all that. I lived it. You lived it. I understand it. The faster we can get to a place where we can take our pride and we can put it aside and we're willing to take that risk and extend into that realm where failure is almost certainly going to happen. But then through that, learn what went wrong, analyze, take that knowledge, ram it back into the system. And if you couple that with the resiliency and the toughness of getting back up and continuing to go again and again and again, there it explain to me how this is rhetorical, man, but it, how can you stop someone who is willing to continuously go forward, get knocked on their ass, not only get up, but get better from getting knocked down and do that again and again and again and again indefinitely. How can you stop someone who has committed to living their lives through that manner? The answer is you cannot. You literally become an unstoppable force to be reckoned with. But it begins with taking that pride, putting it aside, swallowing a huge humble piece of humble pie and accept the, 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 the pain it comes when we fail but it has to hurt, man. It has to hurt because that is the catalyst for the growth. Yeah, the, the lesson involved in it. And yeah, I would love to be able to surround yourself with guys that are willing to do that because it just rubs off on you. I think it said, I forget who it was, say like you become the average of the five guys you hang around with the most. And uh, I think there's a lot of truth in that too. So, and I know young yet too, uh, only five is your oldest. So uh, what type so far, what type of a disciplinarian have you been as a dad uh, you know, obviously you've been through, uh, you've had some disciplinarian guys in your life going through the toughest military pipelines that, that, that there are, but what, what have you been? Are you a timeout guy? Are you a spanker? And or how do you kind of discipline, uh, your five-year-old and, and is your, what, what type of discipline or area was your father growing up? Is it different than your kind of style? Yeah. So my, my father was, was pretty chill. Um, and I look back in retrospect, almost like, Hey man, maybe if you ramp things up a little bit. And been a little bit more structured and disciplined. Maybe I wouldn't have made the amount of crazy, uh, unfortunate mistakes that I made. You know, in retrospect, I, I come from an extremely blessed scenario. Both two very loving parents that I learned a lot from. Um, my wife and I have taken more of the appreciation of privileges and then the removal of these privileges. Like as fast as you can earn something for doing something well, those can go away very, very quickly. Um, the timeout thing we, we did when he was younger. Now, you know, he's got an awesome setup in his room. If I'm like, Hey, go to your room. He's like, cool. I'm like, okay, this isn't, this isn't working. So I like remove some of the cool stuff that he's interested in Uh, so far, man. And I'm learning this as I go. And believe me, I parenting, you know, this better than I do. You can read all the books and all the articles and watch all the videos, but you're kind of figuring it out as you go, right? You're learning as you go and you, you make a lot of mistakes. The emphasizing, at least currently, 
the importance of choices and consequences and privileges that are associated with that. And you need to earn these things, right? These things don't just show up. You need to demonstrate that you've done, that you've worked hard, you've done well. And with that comes privileges and things that you've earned. And when you mess things up, there needs to be a consequence associated with that. It has to hurt. So that's kind of the model we're going at now, man. Um, and as we move more into kind of a more structured lifestyle, actually, I got a meeting with the local jujitsu gym uh, tomorrow to get eyes on that. So we're looking to get them into more, you know, team dynamic, extracurricular type stuff. So far, it's been it's been working, I think, as well as it does. Um, it's an amazing journey. And come two weeks from now, I may have a whole new philosophy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so cool. And with our four, they couldn't be more different. So each one of them, we got to kind of discipline in a different way or a different style. And it's, it's it, sometimes I'll have a conversation with my teenagers that didn't go anywhere near the way we thought it was going to go. And then afterwards, I'll look at my wife and go, well, that was fascinating. Like, you know, we just kind of still learning all these lessons as we go. Uh, so it's a, it's it's an on the job training for sure, and obviously uh, you're still serving now uh, in the military here. You got the uh, you had the book come out last year, the Objective Secure. What are you working on now, Nick? What's kind of your goals, your plans for 2023 here and beyond? Yeah, great question. So uh, I'm still active duty. I just left the ODA life. ODA stands for Operational Detachment Alpha. There are a lot of words to say an SF team. Uh, I just left the team life behind me now four months ago which in itself was a really hard transition. You know, those of us that come in to do this job, you go through a lot of really difficult moments in training to live a life of an SF guy on a team. And that's the only job most of us really want to do. It's just one, you know, you can't do it forever, man. And I had a great run 15 years um, playing that game. And it was just time for me to kind of hang up my cool guy stuff. So now I work at the next echelon of leadership as a company operations warrant, which is a position that I'm still kind of learning and it, surprisingly, uh, it's quite fulfilling. I, I would have swore to you, Alec, leading up to the day I left the team that I will hate whatever my next job's at. I'm going to be miserable for the next four, five, or six years of my career, but that's just the nature of the beast. I was in this new job maybe a week, and I was like, wow, this is actually quite fulfilling. Because although I'm not kicking down the doors anymore, you know, you move up at Echelon, and now your span of influence has gotten quite wider. So you can you can have those additional touch points throughout the unit, which is important. Um, so I'm eager to I'm eager to get better at what I'm doing now in uniform and then outside of uniform. You know, I, I say this. I really I really serve a lot of the same way out of the uniform the way I do in uniform. So us in the Army Special Forces Warrant Offices, we do a bunch of stuff. But the one word that we really hone in on is that as an advisor, we advise decision makers based on our experience and our technical expertise. That's what we do. I'm really doing the same thing uh, outside of uniform as well. You know, and I got the book, I'm working on another two or three, actually three right now. Um, you know, I do workshops, seminars, engagements, speaking stuff, whatever, but it's really the same, the same type of work. I'm just servicing different demographics. So it's wild how fast that side of my professional life has expanded in the last 12 months where now I have a whole team around me and it's a, it's a nights and weekends thing for all of us. It's a passion project for all of us, but it's one that's creating real impact that continues to grow. So I'm falling more and more in love with doing it the more I do it. So I'm eager to see kind of how that grows and scales moving into the future. Um, eager to see how my family grows. 
and scales moving into the future. I'm an incredibly blessed position as a service member, man, where a lot of us struggle with transition, right? You hang up the boots, you hang up the uniform. And that oftentimes is the catalyst for that negative spiral. People lose their identity. They lose their minds. They don't know what to do with themselves. I'm very fortunate where I've already identified my next purpose in life. And I'm actually currently working towards it now. So it's a wild ride, man. And it's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. Yeah, well, well, God bless you for what you're doing. And, uh, you know, and no pun intended, I really hope you blow up big because uh, I, I think your voice is so needed, not just in the military sector, but in in the civilian world as well. I think you're inspiring more people than you could ever have dreamed of. And I, I think we, it's so needed your voice. So props to you for what you're doing. And, and the last thing I want to hit you with here, Nick, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Oh, my gosh. Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore uh, was a colonel during Vietnam. And if you've seen the movie, We Were Soldiers, he's played by, uh, by Mel Gibson. He eventually went on to be a, a two-star general before he retired. And in an interview, he was asked, how do you balance being a good soldier with being a good father? And his answer, I think, was just absolutely brilliant. And he just said, I think that being good at the one makes me better at the other. And this is a military comparison, but it's translatable, man. And my point is, is according to the general, which I believe in, that's a two-way street. You get better at one, it makes you better at the other. And for those of us in the military, and this is does not solely for us, but you think about what it takes to be good at whatever your job is, whatever your function is. And a lot of these things are the same. Work ethic, discipline, right? Sacrifice. Like that's what it takes, certainly to be a good soldier, but to be a good salesman or to be a good cashier, whatever it is you do, these character traits are necessary to be good at that. And it's very easy, at least for me, to see how discipline, work ethic, sacrifice, if you take those and you apply them to your job as a father, can absolutely be beneficial and make you better at being a father. It's the other road, the other way that, that is kind of a blockage for many of us. But you think about what it takes to be a good father. Compassion, empathy, patience. I mean, holy shit. I mean, pay, if you don't have patience before you, you're a dad, like you're going to learn patience, which is a skill, right? It's a skill. For me, it took my kids for me to really look at patience as a skill and dedicate deliberate bandwidth to be better at that skill. But these types of skills, these types of character traits, when you take them and then you apply them to your work life, will make you better at that function as well. Even when you're in a high octane profession as a Green Beret or those of us in special operations of the military, those are looked at as almost like a soft, like softer skills. But my kids have taught me the power of compassion, empathy, and patience and these types of things, love. And now I'm applying them to my work as a Green Beret, and I'm seeing immediate effects where at times maybe, yeah, you want to belt someone upside the head, and sometimes that is the way to go. But there are other options that maybe are more practical to employ during that time frame within that particular situation. So my kids and being a dad have taught me so many aspects of being a more all-encompassing man and Green Beret, which have made me better at both of those things. So my long story short, man, I see that becoming a dad in all of its awesomeness, right, true blessing, gives us as fathers in particular 
an opportunity to develop ourselves as long as we see them as opportunities to improve ourselves, which improves us as dads, which will also translate to improve us with whatever other walks of life we're involved in. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Nick Lavery, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here at First Class Fatherhood. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it, man. Keep going. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.